Hi guys, uh, it's Akash from Tech Z. Um, this episode we do not have Shreeman because he had to take off for some personal reasons. And so for today's topic about electric cars, I have Zane with me. Yo, what's good? So today we're going to be talking about um, some, we're going to talk about three specific models of electric cars, specifically the Tesla Model S, the Lucid Air, and the Porsche Taycan. So. Let's start off by talking about the popularity of electric cars and why we think they're the future. Zane, what do you what do you think? Okay, so starting off with the like history of the electric cars per se, the first real important electric cars weren't actually electric. The first main things that we talked about in the world were hybrids. So a lot of companies first came out with hybrid cars, which were a electric and gasoline hybrid, which promised better fuel economy as the engine didn't have to work in places where it wasn't as good and electric power could take it in that place. But since the evolution of that, we've gotten to see a reality where electric cars are more feasible. So the first electric car that comes to mind when I think of like the first electric car that was big was in the UK and it was a car called the G-Wiz. It was a very small car. It was two seats only, uh, size of like an original 1960s Mini Cooper. And it wasn't very, it was a very rudimentary electric car. But it was very popular because for short city driving, you didn't have to pay for gas, it took up very little space, and it was very efficient. And I think that was the first selling point for electric cars. If you didn't go very far, they were very efficient, very small, compact, and they were easy to use. They weren't meant for the people who had long-haul routes to take. They were meant for the people that had very short distances to go, and the electric cars first sought that need really well. Now, however, we're moving into an area where electric cars are trying to dip into the markets of where uh, not where gasoline-powered cars are, so the longer range, the bigger cars, and uh, today we're going to be talking about the more performance-oriented sedans, so Tesla, Lucid, and Porsche. So, I think our is going to go into, we're going to start talking about the differences amongst these three different uh, manufacturers and how, what's their like token thing that each manufacturer is doing to make it appeal to customers. Right, and um, I think the main uh, the main thing that people look for in an electric car is range, of course, because that's, that's the big difference between an electric car and a mm -hmm. gas car. Gas cars can be filled up instantly in a matter of minutes, and electric cars are making their way toward that benchmark, but it's how fast you can get charged into your car and how long that charge can stay there over however long you drive. So. The Lucid Air and the Model S, as well as the Porsche Taycan, have been uh, the talking points of 2020. The Lucid Air um, debuted uh, earlier this year um, with a starting price of about $70,000. And uh, I think the Model S is like a direct competitor to that because it's around that $70,000 mark as well. Uh, recently they dropped the price. Um, uh, the Porsche Taycan, it's um, being only offered in the uh, Taycan 4S model, which is the all-wheel drive, but I think it should come down in price as they start to introduce um, lower spec models. And um, the range on these uh, are estimated at about uh, 408 miles for the um, Lucid Air and uh, around 402 miles for the Tesla Model S long range. So it's very close competition. But uh, one thing to note out in my opinion is that Lucid says they're getting that kind of range in reality, Lucid hasn't sold the car to market yet, whereas Tesla and Porsche have. So Tesla, Lucid's, uh, the numbers Lucid puts up 
should be taken with a grain of salt. And uh, one thing I wanted to point out is a lot of these brands tout their full range capabilities, like 300, 400 miles. In practice, however, well, in the experience I have with electric cars is Tesla. Tesla recommends that you do not charge your car up all the way unless you need the extra range to preserve the batteries. A lot of the theme around electric cars is what can we do to make these batteries better? For example, Tesla's moving away from the, its current manufacturing style of batteries to a newer kind that announced in Battery Day. And uh, to combat that and the problems with batteries, which I'll get into later, they are devising their own fast charging network and uh, their own methods to handling their own batteries to make them last as long as possible. So, but these higher range numbers that you see quoted by manufacturers, you never actually get to see them. And the thing is, when you think about range with a gas car, you think, oh, how long do I have to go without filling up my tank again? Whereas with an electric car, whenever you're at home, you're pretty much recharging your car. So that range number, per se, is really tossed up. But take Lucid with a grain of salt for now. But in my opinion, Tesla is way ahead of anyone when it comes to that sheer amount of usable battery right and um the infrastructure that tesla's built up over the years with their supercharging network all over the world is uh something that lucid cannot um rival at this moment um and yes also we should probably take the specs that uh lucid say that they're gonna achieve because all we have right now are the press release information that they've uh released to the public and the reporters and such so yeah mm-hmm. okay and then Another thing is, so if you didn't know, so electric cars companies are in a very risky spot per se because a lot of these founding fathers of uh, gas cars, like the car companies that we have seen for hundreds of years at this point, are starting to move into the electric car market. And these standalone electric brands, which came up out of nowhere, are struggling to survive. For example, Tesla has gotten so much demand for their cars that quality control in their plants has been reported to go down by a large amount with the release of the Model Y. An example of this was uh, one of the cooling uh, ducts in the Model Y that helped cooling go around was held up by plywood when it should have been something like aluminum. And this got people very concerned. There was even a case recently where uh, people were driving around their Model Y on the highway and the roof had detached itself from the car and flown off. And they were touting, oh, Tesla, we never knew you made a convertible SUV, except you missed the convertible part. So uh, there's, there's definitely problems with all of this. And another thing that's a big problem for these electric car brands is battery aging. As you know with your cell phone, like if you have an iPhone, the more you charge your phone and the more you use it, you notice your battery life starts to die out. And this is because the way your battery works is that it is a a sheet of lithium and it's covered in this like fluid type thing that's called a an electrolyte and uh, what happens is is there's there's cathodes and anodes in your battery and they pass electricity through ions through them and that movement of electricity it, and of uh, these charged ions is electricity which is the movement of electrons but there's a problem where as you move electricity back and forth and back and forth these little like trees start to grow on the surface of your batteries and they're called dendrites and they take up usable space that taking up a space reduces your total capacity and batteries thus age and uh, all the companies are fighting this aging method 
Tesla so far has been one of the significant, like has the most breakthroughs in the way that they, instead of using a large battery, they use thousands of and thousands of tiny ones in every car and the way they charge their batteries is different and hence why they tell you not to fill up your car all the way because the more you cycle that battery, the more of those dangerous little dendrites is what they're called form, taking up your capacity. And although charging time and uh, availability of charge is a problem, we also need to make sure that these cars can last. Because keep in mind, the oldest electric cars that we can go out and buy is like a first-gen Tesla Roadster, which if you can find it, that's one thing. And then those get extensive maintenance all the time. And then another thing, that electric car that's popular and old is a Nissan Leaf, and those had very small capacities to start with. So just thinking about all these electric cars, there's a bunch of problems, but you might think now these electric cars don't seem all that worth it, but there are a lot of plus points to them, and I think Akash can tell you about them. Yeah, and um, the main thing is... Uh... A lot of manufacturers have taken a different approach to this uh, battery health issue. Like, uh, for example, the uh, Chevrolet Bolt, they had a, uh, a small-ish battery with a range of about 200 miles if you fully let, they let you fully charge the battery. But um, they built this sort of buffer in the top 10% of the battery, and they only let you charge up to 90%. So as your battery starts to degrade uh, more and more, they let you have some of that buffer slowly. So you always keep, you always maintain that linear amount of uh, range. So you always have that for um, about uh, four or five years. So you can always have that range that they always marketed to you for a longer period than say uh, an electric car that lets you use 100% of the battery to charge it. So uh, yeah, it's interesting. Um, and also, uh, yeah, about Tesla's build quality, they've been touted by JD Power initial quality as lowest of uh, lowest in about 32 brands. So the, um, they want to make as many vehicles as fast as possible, but um, I think they've fallen, fallen apart in build quality-wise, and uh, I think that's, that's what makes them not appeal to a, a luxury uh, car customer. So it's uh, interesting to see what they're going to do to combat these, uh, competi the competition from Porsche and Lucid here. So um, let's talk about performance with uh, these three electric cars. So um, Lucid uh, has a uh, reported uh, horsepower of, of a maximum horsepower of 1,080 horsepower, which is just insane. And uh, the Model S performance, uh, I think it has a 800, I think. And, but I think they're going to release a Plaid edition, which is going to have somewhere close to 1,100 horsepower. And uh, the Taycan is going to have uh, about uh, 750 horsepower with the Turbo S model. So they're all really fast cars, but I think the uh, main thing is the acceleration. That's what's uh, so appealing to electric car performance customers because of the instantaneous torque that they give off the line. And um, the, uh, there's no other way to get that without electricity. So I think that's something that's very appealing to a lot of customers. So what do you think, Jane? Uh, so the performance is nothing short of awesome. So I've driven a Model 3. It was an extended range, not a dual motor, none of that. <clears throat> These electric cars have instant torque. And when you hear instant torque, you, you think, oh, torque, that's trucking, blah, blah, blah. It's one of those things that's very hard to explain unless you've experienced it. So when, you, when you're in a conventional gasoline-powered car and you put your foot down, you have to wait for your transmission to change down a gear. 
You have to wait for your RPMs to catch up so you can be in the power band. All of that issue with electric cars, that responsiveness that you have to deal with, like a lot of, for example, in higher end sports cars, a lot of the goal is that your engine is very responsive. So like when you put your foot down, it immediately is ready for you to go and it doesn't feel laggy. With an electric car, by definition, there cannot be any lag. All you're doing is just opening and closing electricity rather than having to spin hundreds of little parts inside an engine. So the thing about electric cars is when you put your foot down on the gas pedal, you immediately get all the available power. There's no delay. It's completely there. And it catches a lot of people by surprise. Like I never expected it to be there. So I put my foot down for the first time. And this car that only had 300 horsepower. It didn't it occur to me that that 300 horsepower was going to slam me into the back of my seat and make me go look down at the speedometer, which wasn't there. It was on the right side because the Model, Model 3 doesn't have gauges. It just slams you into the back of the seat. And that is on a not sport spec car. It was surprising, the performance gains. Now, these cars also have a drawback. Although they have that instant torque because they have to carry around all those batteries, electric cars tend to be heavier. And because they have to carry extra reinforcement for those batteries, all that weight that's usually in an engine, well, now you have to deal with electric motors and the battery pack. So some loss might be there. But when it comes to comparing gasoline cars and electric cars for performance, these electric cars will be able to do so much more than we could ever have imagined. An example of this is uh, there was a video that went viral a few years ago. It was a Tesla Model X, the SUV that Tesla makes, the most high-end model they made. They were towing and they had a tow hook attached to this car and they had an Alfa Romeo 4C, a really small two-seat four-cylinder sports car that's known for not being slow but not being super fast. Now, you had this SUV that was heavy carrying a load behind it of a car. And on the other end of the drag strip, they had this another Alfa Romeo 4C, the same car that the Tesla was towing. So the Tesla had to beat this small little sports car while holding the other sports car's weight. And because of instant torque and the way that electric power works, because that Tesla could get off the line so much quicker, it beat this little sports car and it was insane to watch. Now, these power numbers that Tesla, uh, Porsche and uh, Lucid Air are all talking about, I think they're completely, they're awesome to talk about, but torque is what, should we, what we should be looking at because torque feels awesome in a car. And uh, talking about other performance, yeah, Kosh talked about them all, less Plaid, talking about how Tesla is starting to get actual performance-based competition with the Taycan Turbo S, which is a terrible name considering they called it a turbo and the car didn't have a turbo on it, but whatever. These, these, uh, the competition is starting to tense up and with competition comes innovation. And I think in the next few years, we're gonna start seeing electric cars that are properly mentally fast. And uh, one thing I wanna talk about is, another important challenge is when you're driving these electric cars, heat becomes a very significant problem. This is because, well, the flow of electricity, if you're doing it through a wire, the wire is gonna have some minuscule amount of uh, resistance. If you put down your foot and you're cycling a lot of electricity through these batteries, they're gonna heat up. And uh, the Tesla and the Porsche have cooling systems, but keeping batteries at an ideal temperature is really important to their performance. 
So a lot, I think the Tesla only lets you launch your car a certain amount of times and you have to like have breaks in between like intensive driving so the batteries can cool down. And as you get lower and lower in the percent portion of the battery, that, that current starts to slow down. You're not getting as much amperage. So you're losing performance the more and more your car moves. And I've heard personally that the Model S, the more and more you step on it, the less and less it works. But with the Taycan, I've heard that it is completely the same time every single time from zero to 100 to dead, which I think is amazing. And now Lucid, I think, is they're, they're touting performance in their vehicles and their vehicles look amazing. But I think they're focusing more on the luxury aspect of the automobile than they are performance. Now with an electric car, performance doesn't come from as much uh, changing a lot of fine parts and tuning and tuning. It's more creating a good platform and then wringing out what you can of the platform. Personally though, I have never worked on an electric car or designed one, so I take my opinion with a grain of salt, but I think Lucid is going more for the uh, luxury portion of the audience more than the performance, but they're putting in performance because why not? And uh, as these companies get better and better and motors get better and better, I think we're gonna see the horsepower per dollar hit an all-time low in the future. Because I'm reading right here on the Verge's article about the Lucid Air, they want the car to pack over a thousand horsepower and have a price of under $80,000. Saying that is mental because that is cutting a little bit higher for price for dollar than the most efficient one that we've had before, which was probably the Dodge Challenger head in the cab, which is like 707 horsepower for like 50 or $60,000. And seeing not only horsepower go up, but the price go down is something awesome I think about electric cars. And one thing that I hear a lot about electric cars is that, from car guys especially, there's no noise, there's no revving, there's no gears. This car feels not very engaging. And to a degree, they're right. But when you drive an electric car, the, the noises that you don't hear from an engine come from other places. So you can hear like your chassis creaking. You can hear the wind rushing around your car. You can hear your electric motor spinning. It's not, it's quieter, but it's not pin drop quiet. It is a different experience that is one to experience on its own. And I think performance getting better and the price coming down and just the experience of electric cars becoming more widespread. I think that's awesome. But we're talking a lot about performance, but electric cars, number one advantage is you don't have to pay for gas and you're not polluting the environment by doing so. And I think in the next segment, we're going to start talking about uh, electric cars that are more affordable and what we've seen that market flourish into from being started with that G Wiz I talked about earlier, that small thing, into a, a place where if you want to buy an electric car, you have options now instead of having to settle for one thing and companies making other things. So I'll let uh, transition us in. We're 20 minutes in. All right, so we're going to be, we're going to talk about the electric cars and uh, the fundamental stuff that started off a couple years ago right after this ad break. This episode was sponsored by Anchor. All right, and we're back. So 
we all know how the um, we all we all recognize Tesla as being the leader of electric cars, but in the more affordable segment, it's the Nissan Leaf that's been dominating uh, family households and uh, uh, soccer trips and grocery runs for uh, the better part of the past seven years. So I think it's only come down to one thing, and that thing is price. Electric cars aren't cheap to make because the battery tech and uh, the fact that the uh, manufacturer wants to make it as futuristic as possible and make it stand out from the other competition, that takes cost and that takes design work. And so uh, investing money into design and the battery tech and making it the car look future, futuristic is just going to add to the price. I think what Nissan did was just give the fundamentals for an electric car a solid range with about 150 to 160 miles. Um, a really uh, low price tag comparatively to other electric cars at about $30,000 and um, tax incentives to families that bought it. So uh, when it came out, they got $7,500, which is a, a, major, a really big chunk of the money of the car. So having an electric car for under $25,000, it's really compelling considering the fact that you don't have to pay for gas. Yeah, I think that too. And uh, <clears throat> uh, one thing I want to know is the Nissan Leaf was very appetizing because it was not only very cheap, but the range—the reason it was cheap is because that range was pitiful. The range of the uh, the original Nissan Leaf was hovering around seventy miles, if I remember correctly. That is not far relative to literally any other car. Seventy miles might sound like a lot in theory, but like having to charge and very slowly charge at that every like seventy miles, which like if you do. Let's say you go to the store and you go to work. Work is five miles away to and from. That's ten. Go to the grocery store. It's two miles away. You're charging your car every two or three days, and I mean, you're gonna have to basically be tethered to your powering cord whenever you're using the Leaf. And I think the Leaf's tax write-off was a big part of what sold it. Like you could buy a new Leaf and get five grand back, but now that tax uh, reduction has been. Shrunk down a fair size amount, and I think, and then the Nissan Leaf was redesigned with more range and more. They moved it more upmarket, and I think Nissan is starting to see a drop in sales of the Leaf because it is charging Model Three money for not Model Three power and usability. Like when you hop into a Nissan Leaf from 2020, you don't think that you're in a car from the future. There is still all the buttons and all the stuff like that. You're driving this thing. It doesn't feel like great. It feels like a Nissan, but with an electric motor. And if you go to Nissan.com right now, NissanUSA.com, you click Nissan Leaf, the top of the line model hits $40,000. And <clears throat> to me, hearing that a Nissan Leaf can cost up to $44,000 starting at its max point is ridiculous and who would buy that with a Model 3 being an option. And now the cheapest relief is $31,000, which is expensive. And now Nissan tights touts you can get it for as low as $24,000, but that is the range where the Model 3 dominates and on Tesla's battery day they announced that they're making a new car targeted for the $25,000 market and I think once Tesla gets that car out and it doesn't suck the Leaf has to right. 
and yeah, I think the leaf leaf the stays leaf. are um, numbered because uh, numbered. right and uh, yeah because when you step into the leaf, it doesn't feel like you are in an electric car. It feels you're just in a rebadged Nissan uh, or Versa or something, and um, the fact that you've spent thirty thousand dollars, which is actually a significant amount of money for a car, and you're stuck with uh, hard plastic around your interior. Uh, <coughs> a, a small little crappy compact high hatchback looking thing and just because it has electric range but not that much at that means that you're compromising pretty much everywhere so there's not a little there's not a lot of upside to the Nissan Leaf and while it may have been the stepping stone for Tesla to start launching um, more regular models and appeal to more and more people um, I think the Nissan Leaf was just only that just um a preliminary step into uh, an electric car domination in the future. Mm -hmm. And uh, one thing I wanted to add on is, if that that market where Nissan is trying to push the um, the Leaf, now these luxury car makers, BMW, Volkswagen, Audi, they're starting to fill in that electric car mid-range gap. So when I think of the ability that hey, I can go buy a Nissan Leaf right now. I remember Volkswagen has a Golf that is electric, and the Golf looks much better than the Leaf and has a much more modern interior and much more modern everything. Audis and X are coming out with their e-tron cars. So a few years ago they had the R8 e-tron, that was just a stunt, but now there's going to be an Audi e-tron saloon and a wagon and the Audi's going to start hitting it there. Chevy's got the Volt and the Bolt and their electric car line and everything in that little market down there is starting to get saturated and because of this the Leaf has nowhere to go except for up and if it doesn't go up no one's gonna buy it. Uh, because um, everyone's starting to get on the electric car bandwagon. People started late like uh, Ford have uh, thrown names like Mustang at their electric car in order to um, uh, inspire more uh, people to buy it because it's a Mustang, right? It's a you're you're getting into a sports car looking SUV, which is all the craze these days. Um, uh, people like uh, BMW are starting to get a, get in uh, the full electric car with their um, upcoming iCar. So it's starting to dominate, and I think the Leaf was just um, not it's not there yet unless they do something revolutionary, which is highly unlikely because um, <coughs> Nissan is starting to dwindle in terms of uh, money to put towards revolutionizing one of their models. So let's talk about um, where Tesla started and how other cars are picking up on missed opportunities that Tesla provided for them. So, Okay. Oh, wait, do you want to? I, I have the perfect idea for this. Okay. Tesla's, Tesla's market strategy was pretty smart. The way that Tesla started selling cars was quite important. So Tesla did something where they wanted to be able to scale up their manufacturing. So the way Tesla did it is they started off by selling, at first, a car that was mostly already developed, but then they changed a good portion of it so that it matches their own needs, which was the original Tesla Roadster. Now, because of Tesla's size, they made it a really niche car on purpose. And this was because they didn't want to have to stress themselves over making a bunch of cars. So they bought chassis from Lotus, 
which was, I believe, was the Lotus Exige that they bought it off of. They put their engines in it and their infotainment and blah, blah, and they sold it as the Tesla Roadster, and they just passed it on, and they made enough money off of the Roadster to start funding development of the Model S. And now when the Model S came out, it was a very expensive car, and that was because that expensive price tag would deter a lot of people from buying the car, except for the much more wealthy crowd, which there were a lot less of. So they could start selling more cars, but since the cars were price capped uh, and they were sealed off from a good portion of people, a lot less people bought them, so they couldn't weren't stressed by manufacturing. And because they sold the more higher-end cars, the markup rate of each car was a lot higher. It's because they to be profitable, they didn't have to sell as many cars with a thin profit. They could sell a lot less cars for a fatter profit, and that worked out in their favor. Then once that started picking up, then you saw the Model S starting to become popular. Then you heard about the Model 3 being announced because they made enough profit off of the Model S that they can start selling cars with a thinner uh, profit margin. And once they did that, they started building a lot more cars and I think Tesla started building a Model 3 and Model Y way too early because as you can see now they were not ready for all of that demand and they have lost quality control and I think a lot of brands thought of electric cars as the cheap option for people who cannot afford gas they thought oh electric cars those are for people who are a little more like small they're small car not very luxurious blah 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 and i think tesla by taking the high-end approach first really cemented themselves down and you can see other brands like porsche starting to go higher in electric all the big brands starting to move their cars from gas to electric they're trying to convert existing models they're trying to redo like a facelift to other models but i think the one thing that tesla got down really well was they catered to a smaller and then widening audience instead of trying to create the best deal first they sold off the idea of innovation first, and then they had their distinct hype factors. So the idea that Teslas could drive themselves sounds outrageous and amazing, but the automatic cruise control in most cars does the same thing a little bit worse, but the way Tesla markets autopilot really makes people wanna buy their cars, and Elon Musk himself is a selling point to the company. He is an awesome dude who's constantly making changes to the car. Tesla owners love the fact that when they have their car, it's constantly changing. It's not like the same car. Sometimes you'll get more power in an update, more range, more this, more that. The car's just being optimized and it's awesome. But I think other brands are old. They're expected that people come in, drive their car to the dealer, get it fixed. That Tesla's taking a more software-y approach to their cars. That brands are starting to realize, oh, we have not invested at all in technology. The Tesla is so much more technologically advanced than our car. We're going to start doing that. And now you can see brands slowly scrambling for that same piece of the electronic pie that Tesla's got. And uh, I was going to ask, what do you think of uh, other companies responding to Tesla? Right. And um, I think it's uh, a lot of thing. a lot of what's gone wrong with Tesla and what uh, other companies have picked up uh, where Tesla left off was expectation, right? Uh, Tesla uh, gave so much hope and and like hype for their cars. Like uh, I think the Tesla Model Three was announced two years and it was back ordered for many 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 months. And people that ordered one got like got it like two years later, which was insane. So 
they 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 expected uh, less than what that what actually happened, and so they weren't prepared, and so. Uh, customer p potential customers of the Model 3 started to look elsewhere. They started to look to uh, car manufacturers like uh, Porsche and uh, BMW and Audi and started to look toward those because they're trusted car manufacturers. They know what they're doing in terms of their car. They can put out a car, if they announce a car and it's an electric car and they uh, announce that they're going to release it uh, at a certain date it's gonna come out on that date because they've made many many promises before and they had a really solid production line so I think it's just a matter of um, expectation for the customers and Tesla not being able to deliver up to that expectation and it's just it's just um, disappointment for the customers and uh, they've just been turned to other other cars like the Porsche Taycan and the Lucid Air because the Tesla Model S isn't from a, a reputable car company Tesla, at the end of the day, is a technology company that just happens to make cars. It's a technology. It's, it's a software-based experience, right? Everything that happens is just software updates, mm -hmm. and and the whole car revolves around that central screen. So it's it's just a car chassis, a basic car chassis, and um, a screen, software updates, and a really good electric motor that's been putting elect uh, Tesla at the forefront of the electric car market. But I don't know how long that's going to last because these competitors are looking really good with their um, uh, cars, like Taycan. Yep, that's what I think. And Tesla's severely lacking in craftsmanship, which a lot of people are looking for. Like Porsche knows how to design all the little details to be awesome to you. And then Tesla's like, ah, we'll just take a big screen on it and make it the best software experience you've ever had. A lot of people are like, oh, do you want all this flavor or that flavor of an experience? And I think Tesla's design is getting slowly better. But the main thing I don't like about Tesla is like, they'll announce something and be like, oh, we're making this. And then you just never hear about it again. Like Roadster, I think the Tesla Roadster, the 22nd version was, the, I mean, the second version was announced almost two years ago now. I think it was at the Model 3 event where they yeah, they teased its successor. I think it was about, yeah. And, uh, yeah, let me check. Tesla Roadster. I think it was four now. years ago they announced that thing. Oh, was it four mm -hmm. years ago? I remember, uh, for you. They they announced it that it would come out in 2020. Mm -hmm. It never came out. So in 2011 they ended. And they said the roadster would come back in 2014, and they teased it in 2014. 2015 they suggested more uh, information, and then the car was shown off in 2017, like officially. So it's been yeah, it's gonna be three years, November 16th, when this car roadster had been teased. And the people who have paid for this car still have no information whether when they're getting it or not. And Tesla keeps teasing other things like, oh, we're going to put gas thrusters on the car and blah, 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 blah. But the, none of these people have gotten their car yet. And nobody really knows when they're going to be getting right, the car. Right, right. And this and is the same thing with the, the Cybertruck, yes. Cybertruck, yeah. So Cyber they announced truck. that uh, I think the end of last year, right? And uh, yeah, it was last year, because I remember the glass. Right, in the end of last year, and they released the the they announced the release date, which was like 
three years in the future and I remember thinking why would they announce a car that's gonna be three years old by the time it comes out right people are gonna be are gonna, are gonna like it's it's not a thing that like harvest hype over three years like that's a lot of attention it needs to grab and it did grab a lot of attention with its uh, weird design that's uh, very bipolar mm -hmm. so uh, I mean a lot of people don't like the cyber show. I think it looks mm -hmm. cool in a way. It looks like spacey, but I think those people who want an electric truck, to put your money on Rivian. Right. Rivian's another car manufacturer, well, truck manufacturer that are trying to make electric right. car mm -hmm. trucks. And theirs looks much more promising. They've made an actual car and people are loving mm -hmm. Rivian. They raised $2.5 billion. And I think they just look more normal compared to the Cybertruck, and they they have been providing updates on what's right. happening. Right, and, and Tesla acts like normal is a bad thing, like they don't want to be normal. But sometimes normal is what you have to be in order to compete with other normal trucks, like the Rivian and uh, some of the other uh, trucks that are coming out. Uh, the Rivian, for, uh, in ex for example, has been so successful because of uh, all its backing from Ford. Uh, Ford has given it so much uh, support and uh, financial uh, advice that um, it's been able to crank out both the R1T, which is their truck variant, and their R1S, which is their SUV variant. So they've got, they've nailed down two of the biggest segments in the car industry. And if they get it right and look at all their specs and stuff, I think it's a really strong competitor for Cybertruck, especially for those people that don't like the looks. <laughs> And the fact that Rivian has given the users a date, which they have been following up on. They're saying that August in 2021, you will start seeing trucks. Production is going to start. And I think that's great for people that have bought the truck. They get a date that is not five years in the future. It is next year, which is a reasonable amount of time. It's a third of the time that Tesla advertised. And I mean, it's kind of, it feels more realistic. And I mean, yeah, Cybertruck is Cybertruck, but at the same time, it just feels very crude. And as a lot of people said when Cybertruck came out, people thought it was a joke and wasn't a real product until Tesla was taking money mm -hmm. for it. Yeah, and I think that, I think Cybertruck is the mm -hmm. the only reason Cyber anyone would want to buy a Cybertruck, despite the looks, would be probably the price. It's uh, much cheaper than the Rivian, but sometimes mm -hmm. money isn't a factor when um, your car isn't as well built as uh, a Rivian or as good looking mm -hmm. or as functional. Um, so all these promises that uh, Cybertruck uh, has been, or Tesla has made about the Cybertruck at the launch of it, um, haven't been living up to the hype so far, but I think once we, once it gets out and into the hands of uh, reviewers, I think we'll see where um, Tesla really cut the costs cut the line so it could bring that price gap down to uh, that $40,000 it advertises. So let's end off the uh, podcast on um, what's your personal preference out of these three electric cars and why? I mean, it's a real hard choice because if I was buying an electric car, I would go for the Tesla 100%. There's more value for money there. But if I had infinite money, I mean... I've, from what I've heard, the Taycan just drives so much like, nicer. It feels like a sports car and not a thing that Tesla's put together that, that like just goes fast and then once it goes fast, it's like done. Mm -hmm. And I think 
if Porsche just goes a little harder on the software experience, but keeps that like Porsche experience, that car's gonna be awesome. Right, right. <laughs> Nothing short right. of awesome. And I think, and uh, uh, yeah, Tesla is basically just a rocket ship in a straight line. Once you get to that bend you see up in the corner, it's over. It's a heavy, uh, mm -hmm. almost five thousand pound car. It's a sedan, so at the end of the day, you're gonna be mm -hmm. feeling that same kind of weight you're feeling with something like an S-Class or something like that. So I think that's where the Lucid Air is coming in. So the Lucid Air is supposed to be sort of um, a 7 Series or an S-Class competitor with the sort of luxury electric sedan space. So I think it's pioneering that. And in that sense, I think that Lucid Air nails it. It's a really good, gorgeous-looking car uh, with a really, I think, meticulously crafted interior. And they've actually paid attention to design instead of just making it look like a car, which, like, the Model S just looks like the most basic car. So I think Lucid is trying to uh, bring people into the future. And with this car, I think they've given a glimpse of what they think their future is. So I think my vote's going to be on the Lucid Air for um, out of these three. So that I think the Lucid Air looks the best, but like Porsche just has driving. They have like. 10 something years of experience and I don't think you can really right, count right, that. Right, right, yeah. And that's uh, important to some people. The driving dynamics has been touted on the Taycan to be some of the best on any electric car, so. And I mean, we have to wait until what happens with the Tesla, I mean, the Plaid edition of the mm -hmm. Model S. Like, if that's awesome, my opinion right, changes. Because Cause right now that looks just like another power edition and just, it's mm -hmm. just going to be more of a rocket ship, so. We'll see when it comes out, and we'll mm -hmm. most definitely make an update. So that's mm -hmm. been it, guys. Uh, we'll catch you on yep. the nep next episode next week, probably. Um, so that's it. See ya.